What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, we bring back the From the Window to the Screen series and welcome Drew Dinsick to the show, co-host of the Deep Dive podcast. He's commonly known by his Twitter handle, Whale Capper. We get into how that alias came to be, his journey from being raised in the DMV to Beantown to Duke to California and a career in earthquake engineering, only to become the guy with a million gigs in the betting industry. He shares his handicapping process for modeling as a form of handicapping and gives a few plays for week 11 and much more. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host and sports betting professional, Matt Russell. Fun episode today. As mentioned last week and alluded to it yesterday, we're going to try to use these relatively quiet Wednesdays to bring back the From the Window to the Screen series that sort of sustained us through the sports shutdown. Today's guest, if you're serious about becoming a better better is all over your screen nowadays. He goes by Whale Capper on Twitter and he's got more gigs and appearances that can be listed, though we're going to try to touch on them all today. Drew Dinsick, welcome to the window, man. Matt, thank you for having me. It's exciting to be interviewed. I love uh, that there's awesome new content coming into the space, and uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. Yeah, I would love your stuff as well. Happy to have you. So I'm going to ask you about something called earthquake engineering at some point, (laughs) Uh, but let's start at the beginning. So, uh, you know, where were you raised? And as a sports fan at a young age, where did your allegiances lie? Okay, so I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, Northern Virginia, um, as a youth. And, uh, yeah, like, I was into the Redskins and NFL, for sure, um, back when they were the Redskins, not the Washington football team. <laughs> and right. Back um, before I have to bleep you out now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, we're very PC now. Um, <laughs> but the uh, – but. Yeah, my fandom growing up was mostly NFL because baseball wasn't really a thing in Washington. Um, the Bullets and the Capitals never really captured my interest much. Um, and uh, but but the NFL was huge, and I watched you know watched religiously even as a very young kid, um, and got super into it. The uh, Washington ended up winning a Super Bowl. I think when I was like eight or nine, it was super exciting with the posse and Mark Rippon, and um, you know just beat the tar out of the Bills. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I met Joe Theismann as a super young kid at uh, at a sports okay. sports bar in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Got his autograph. Former and Toronto Argonaut. Yeah, there you Joe go. Theismann, yes, that's right. And um, <laughs> but no, but really, uh, you know, NFL was always kind of my favorite favorite sport growing up. Watching it, at least listen to it on the radio when I was out raking leaves in the fall if I couldn't watch it on TV. And yeah, you know, it's it's a good good come up. And then um, I moved to Massachusetts when I was uh, about fourteen. Uh, so in my high school formative years, uh, I got sucked into the Boston sports machine. Um, it's, okay. it was absolutely insane to me, like how the whole, um, like the whole region kind of lived or died by it with the Red Sox win or loss in the summertime. Like you can tell everybody's yeah. mood changed one way or the other. If the, if the Sox were on a winning streak or a losing streak and, you know, they were struggling through uh, the curse of the Bambino, you know, through the late nineties okay. and early two thousands trying to, you know, crack, you know, break the curse and uh, got sucked into that pretty good and was, you know, huge Red Sox fan went down to Fenway every opportunity I could to see them play live and, you know, sit in the bleachers out there and had, a, that was a huge part of my formative, 
uh, you know, formative years as a teenager. And, uh, and then, yeah, the Patriots came on strong. Uh, obviously the, the first couple of seasons I watched, it was the Drew Bledsoe and, uh, Bill Parcells era. Uh, and that was fun. Sure. They had some success, uh, but the big tuna moved on to the jets and then, you know, tried to hand over the reins to Bill Belichick, but Belichick left the jets, came back to the Patriots, uh, and the <laughs> yes. rest was history. The Patriots just, you know, they're, they're, uh, their dynasty in the early 2000s, I was all on board with that. Uh, that was, um, you know, and and that was you know right around the time I was in college. I had some disposable income. I started sports betting and stuff, and uh, so those were very memorable years. So okay, so where did you go to school? And I have here in my notes, why are you the worst? I don't I don't know why that's in my notes, but <laughs> I, did, I can't imagine. I can't possibly <laughs> imagine. Uh, so I was yeah, I was a Duke Blue Devil uh, in undergrad. Mm. Um, I've not especially made that, uh, a huge part of my identity because, uh, you know, the, the Duke, <laughs> the Duke, the Duke basketball fans, uh, are pretty obnoxious for sure. And basketball wasn't even really part of the reason that I went there. So it, it was, uh, but yeah, no, I was, uh, I was a Dukey and, um, uh, I went there to be on the swim team, uh, swam D1 for, oh, okay. uh, for the ACC's. Uh, and it was a great experience. It was, uh, you know, really had a heck of a, heck of a, a great time there. Most of my lifelong friends, uh, I met, you know, via Duke swimming and, um, you know, my wife currently was a Duke swimmer and, uh, you know, you know oh, cool. it, it, it will go down for sure as, you know, kind of the, the biggest, uh, you know, the best, biggest and best thing I did in my life was, was being part of that team. Um, and Absolutely. yeah, so that was, uh, but you know, Duke Duke was a fun and interesting experience overall. I mean, there's it's it's a it's a wild slice of uh, of culture <laughs> between the people who are like yeah. you know the super rich and privileged coming from the you know the Grottens and the and the um, the Dairy and Connecticut's you know and 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 then the right. you know mixed mixed with the you know the people who are you know kind of the best and brightest from the South uh, who don't want to go to the Ivy League. So it's it was a it was a crazy uh, crazy slice of um, you know, the United States in terms of who was in that student body. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun experience. Yeah. It's very cool. Very cool. So is that where you first started betting on sports? Because, yeah. you know, I always kind of talk about, you know, you have this allegiance to your hometown team, or like you said, you, you know, sort of adopted all the Boston teams. And then one day, right. Like it almost kind of occurs to you, wait, I can bet on this stuff <laughs> beyond, just sort of arguing with your buddies being like, you know, this guy's better, that guy's better. And it's like, oh, we can start putting our money where our mouth is. And then there's, you know, obviously different, depends on where you are as far as legalization and like Las Vegas and sports books. And like, do you remember when it kind of hit you that like, oh, wait, we can actually bet on this, even if it wasn't for any sort of significant amount of money? Like, was it part of your family where, you know, yeah. I have guys yeah. on and they talk about like, oh, I was betting with my dad, like for quarters. And, <laughs> you know, I tell the story of my grandparents going to Vegas, like every year, all of that sort of thing. Right. So it's sort of like born into sure. it, in, at least from a gambling standpoint. So, you know, do you remember when you kind of started or when it occurred to you and then kind of how it developed? From oh, that? yeah. Very clearly. I remember it was, it, it's crystal clear and it had nothing to do with family. I had no legacy of this whatsoever. I'd never bet on it, uh, you know, through my high school years or anything like that. Um, but then as a sophomore in college, um, there was a guy who was two years older than me. He was a senior who was from LA. Uh, he knew college basketball extremely well. And, uh, he had like a very solid read on like the, the big West and the whack. And, you know, okay, nice. we used to hang out and play darts all the time. And, uh, 
you know, one night he was, it was like in December maybe. And, uh, he was like, man, they just, they cannot get this, the, you know, the read on the, the long beach state, uh, you know, this basketball team, they're so much better than the market thinks. They're like three and a half point dogs right. to Pepperdine tonight. They should be favored. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> yeah. Who, who like, are you? Wait, wait, who's, the, who's like, got a bad state? read? Like, what are you even Pepperdine? Like college basketball? <laughs> like what? And he was like, yeah, man, like this is just such a bad line tonight. And he, you know, he's talking it up and I'm like, okay, well, this, you're making some solid points. I want to get down on this. And, uh, he, and I was like, yeah. where are you betting? Like, do you have a bookie? And he was like, oh, no, I just used like this online site. And I was like, okay, well, it's just that easy. You can just sign up online and bet on sports. Like, that's how this works. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. there's no freaking way. Yeah. I was like, is this legal? He's like, yeah. I don't know. And I was like, well, let's give it a try. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think I signed up at it was sportsbook.com at the time. Not a joke. That was, okay. the, I think that yep. was the name of the site. Yep. And, um, Sure. I, you know, put a hundred dollars from my debit card onto the site and took five seconds. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so freaking easy. How is this possible? Bet, <laughs> bet all hundred dollars on Long Beach state that night. They won. And you know, we're, we're just oh, wow. staying up like till two in the morning, East coast time. Cause it was obviously a West coast game. And it was just like elated. And I was like, man, this is so freaking easy. I can't believe how easy this was. And, uh, and then for sure, um, this was the same year that Brady came in for uh, for blood so early in the season, and the Patriots were going on like their run, right. they, you know, the team of destiny. Um, and I had already like sure. bought into that emotionally, you know, like I was all in on like the team right. of destiny. Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl, even though they were like you know the third seed or whatever in the AFC. And uh, and so I took right. all the winnings and I split them like halfway between like the Patriots to win the Super Bowl and like, um, you know, and then kept betting some other college basketball stuff that this guy was giving me and, you know, built up like a good, you know, took like a hundred dollars, made it in, turned it into a thousand once the Patriots won that Super Bowl. Um, and I was like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe how easy this was. <laughs> wow. It's like, I have enough money to go on right. spring break now. And I was like, well, how do I get it back? Mm. <laughs> like, that part wasn't clear right. at all. I was like, yeah. I did, it was easy enough to give them money, but how do you get it back? Yeah. And is there a yeah, kiosk like, downtown? I was like, how does this work how exactly? Does, like, do I get work? a bag of money? Like, how does this, you know? And yeah, uh, yeah but, you know, they you know go through the whole withdrawal process on this offshore and that they make it extremely tough for you. And then eventually they sent, sent me mm -hmm. this check that was come from like a foreign bank in like China that looked so sketchy. And uh, yeah. I walked it, uh, you know, cause I, I'd already like committed and like, like, you know, drained my account to pay for the spring break trip expecting to get this check. And so I like, yeah, I finally get it. And I'm like, right. man, I, am I going to get arrested for like depositing this? What's going to happen? <laughs> this is going to go, this right. is going to go sideways. What are the taxes? Are the tax? Yeah. It was like, this yeah. is, this is crazy. Like I wonder if I'm going to get, buzzed. you know, and you know, you, I walk into the window, it looks like stolen check. Like it looked totally fake and all, all, rag yeah. all raggled. Um, but they cashed it and I got to go to spring break and, uh, yeah. had a great time. Uh, and that was the only time I ever withdrew, um, money from a sports book account for like 10 years. I think there was, I think there was like oh, really? 10 years that I didn't okay. have another like single time where I had, you know, enough winnings or, you know, enough, uh, enough liquidity that I, I was willing to withdraw money. So, um, that was extremely, extremely, uh, lucky, I think. Did you lose touch with the Big West guru? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he graduated. He was slinging exactly. winners around, yeah. like what? No, yeah, for like, sure, he graduated. And I, but okay. at the same time, like, uh, you know, like because I had a little bit of Duke fandom, because I had a little bit of um, 
uh, Patriots fandom and Red Sox fandom, like over the next 10 years, like I for sure kind of kept myself afloat, just betting on my teams to win championships and they happen to do so, you know? And so, you know, I had some very memorable wins on, you know, uh, Red Sox, obviously the Duke, uh, the, the Jason Williams, Boozer, Dunleavy team. Uh, and, uh, you know, some very memorable wins over the, the, kind of the first decade or so that I was sports betting, but again, like never enough to, uh, to withdraw a meaningful amount and do anything with it. It was literally just like, okay, football season's here. I'm going right. to deposit 500 bucks. Let's see how long this lasts. <laughs> and that was, yeah. that was, well, it. and what, a, what a, <laughs> and what a fortunate like time for you too, that like, yeah, your handicapping at that point is this is my favorite of team. Of course. And, like it's working oh, out yeah. for you. Like, when does that ever work out? Oh, yeah. Right. Never, like all never. of my favorite teams never want to jam. Them, <laughs> right. So like my best bet was betting against them and just sort of emotionally hedging the hell out of it. So, so you're at Duke and you know, at this point you're just betting recreationally. Like, like you said, you're not cashing out anything at any point. I referenced the earthquake engineering. Is that a program at Duke? Like how, what, what did you well, study? I was a civil engineer when I was at Duke and it was a good experience. Okay. Obviously like you take crazy classes like concrete and steel and um the soils and things like that and uh i got an internship between my junior and senior year doing um materials testing and inspection for construction of the new engineering building um it was a great job uh absolutely loved being out and like get my hands dirty and like working around on the construction site and i got a parking pass so i could park anywhere on campus which was fucking awesome but uh the um but it was that that you know, that, that got me into like the world of civil engineering and that was a great experience. And, uh, I carried on and did that for about three years in North Carolina after the fact, but it got a little bit boring. Like there's not, it wasn't a ton of challenge. There wasn't a ton of like really high profile projects to go, uh, to, you know, to like really get after in the, in the Raleigh Durham area. Um, so I moved to California, uh, and you know, that immediately, like within about a week, you realize like, oh my gosh, number one, the geology, the soils, everything here is so much more difficult than on the East Coast. And number two, um, earthquakes right. control basically every engineering problem. Like the earthquake demand, the earthquake mm. demand is so high in all of LA Basin, all of San Francisco Bay Area, and you know, really up and down the Pacific Coast if you really want to dig into it. And um, it's so basically every piece of critical infrastructure, be it a tunnel, a road, a dam, a tower. Uh, you know, a, a nuclear power plant, like all of it, like is, um, you know, the entire name of the game when it comes to civil engineering decision making is, um, you know, evaluating the risk and, uh, and designing, f- you know, your system to be resilient when your big one hits. And so, you yeah. know, I kind of did like trial by fire, kind of learning on the fly, like as a practicing engineer for a handful of years. And then it got to the point where I had some opportunities to work on, um, you know, a couple of really high profile projects and, uh, and, but I needed to up my game from an education standpoint. So I went back to UCLA and got a master's degree in earthquake engineering and, um, you know, started to build up my practice doing seismic hazard analysis for critical infrastructure. And, um, nowadays my day job, like I'll get a call from, you know, a developer or, uh, you know, municipality that's, you know, Hey, we have this piece of infrastructure. We need to evaluate it for earthquake performance. Uh, and step one in that is characterizing the demand. Uh, and so that falls on my shoulders. Okay. Well, 
we'll build out this probabilistic model. We'll look at all the potential earthquakes that could happen in the next 50 years, and we'll figure out what the ground shaking, you know, that has a 2% chance of occurrence in the next 50 years would be for your site and for your system. Uh, and then we'll hand off that demand to the structural engineers, and then they'll evaluate the performance. And if it needs to be retrofit, or if you're doing a brand new project, like they'll figure out, you know, how to build the lateral resisting system so that the, the building performs well and is safe and sound. And, you know, that's, I, I'm, that's now like kind of the cog that I, I found myself in is this very specialized engineering consultant doing uh, earthquake hazard analysis. That's so cool. And, and I assume all of that is, is true. <laughs> um, that sounded, sounded like it made sense. Um, so, I mean, the part that I sort of get out of that, right, is you're talking a lot of modeling, you're talking about a lot of, you know, projections and probabilities and all of that kind of stuff. That has to do with sports betting, yeah. no? Like, I mean, you said the first decade you're doing it, like most people, and that's kind of why I do this podcast, because, you know, I think we're probably similar along our timelines where, you know, 2001, like, I literally applied for my first credit card because it was the one way that I could fund a sports betting account from where I was. And, you know, so back in, like, like I said, 2001, 2002. And then you go 10 years and you're like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing here. But, of course, everybody thinks they know what they're doing because they, you know, everybody knows sports. So, of course, you're going to be good at sports betting. And there isn't really content out there, right, for, like, that Absolutely, decade. yeah. And so how do you go in that decade of, like you said, not, not withdrawing ever <laughs> to getting decent at this and like how much of that sort of modeling element was it like was it just sort of one day you're like you know i could apply this to this oh basically yes yeah i mean almost 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 <laughs> yeah. exactly the way you're describing it because there was i had a little bit of a gap where i wasn't betting on sports much because there was a there was obviously like you, you know a little bit of the history and you probably you probably know more of the history maybe even than i do because again i was a very recreational player but like black friday rolls around poker gets squashed um and yep. you know i i had a i had a, a pretty i had a good solid run um sort of in like the 2000 i want to say the 2009 10 range where i was building up a pretty decent sized bankroll okay. at wessex <laughs> and wessex completely did okay. completely went belly up and i was like and at that point i was like you know what like there's really no point in like putting real time or money into this because there's no way to do it right. and not just have your, you know, have your bankroll go up and smoke if some company just decides, Oh, well we're, we're going belly up by, you know? And, and so I was, I was, uh, you know, kind of de-incentivized from really trying hard, uh, you know, during like the 2010 right. to, to you know, probably 2013, 14 range. Um, and, but then like, right. you know, I, I was kind of always keeping an eye on things and like, you know, I, I wasn't actively betting much. I was playing more fantasy sports. Um, but then you kind of notice like, okay, wait a second. There are some companies in the Caribbean that are getting a foothold that are like, they look like they're legit. Like they're not going away anytime soon. Yeah. Like, they're doing big numbers. Right. Like this is this, they're, they're not, not running through the yeah, cash through exactly. Beijing. Like, yeah, there's like, not. Th yeah. There's like this is starting to gain a little bit more of a professional feel of what's going on in the Caribbean. Um, so I'll get back involved, and this is probably 2013, 14 timeframe. And uh, and at that time, you know, I had I've I had gone and gotten a master's degree. I had knew more about probability and modeling for sure. Um, and it was kind of exactly like you said, where I was like why am I betting with my gut? Like, you know, like there's, you know, that you can't just walk through the window and be like, well, I have a good feeling that the Redskins are going to play the Cowboys hard today because they always play them hard and it's Monday night football. Like that was, those were the bets I was making. And right. it's like, that's terrible. <laughs> like, there's the, like, that's, that's nonsense. <laughs> right. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. 
and you're going to lose long term that right. way, especially if you get like in the highs and lows, the roller coaster of winning and losing if you're if it's all luck. Right. And and so yeah. I realized, OK, well, I'll start, I'll start building out a predictive model here for NFL because that's what I love to do the most. Um, and I'll just take this football outsiders DVOA. This seems smart. Uh, and we'll, you know, we'll pull plug it right. into a little offensive efficiency, you know, offensive and defensive efficiency projections here. And if you match them up and, you know, we'll build out a distribution and, you know, what does this say? It's like, oh, okay. Like a fair price is three and a half actually. And the line is four and a half. So there's right. some value here on the dog. Right. And, and, um, right. and so I kind of figured that out the hard way. I talked to a couple of people who, you know, who I'd been friends with you know from back in the day who uh you know had twitter accounts that were involved in the very early stages of gambling twitter and they were like this stuff is pretty good like you should just put it out there and see what people say like you'll get good feedback like they'll tell you okay. one way or another like you'll know like if your stuff stuff is crap like they'll tell you and i was like okay that's a that's a good <laughs> idea um and so created an anonymous twitter handle started posting my projections for nfl that i was doing using a pretty rudimentary model just kind of interpolating the football outsiders dvoa data uh, and putting, you know, putting little twists right. on it here and there from you know, my own subjective opinion when it came to injuries and, and, um, you know, certain, you know, matchups that were not well captured by the DVLA and, uh, had some solid success and people, you know, it, it was, I had, I think I had two or three, uh, winning seasons in a row. My following, uh, blew up from like a couple hundred to a couple thousand. And I was like, maybe there is like. You know, and, you know, and in that time, obviously, I'm very active on Twitter, looking around, and you kind of realize, like, there is sort of a vacuum of subject matter matter experts in this space. Like, the yeah. people that are out yeah, there sure. really, you know, they're either, you know, they've either scammed in the past or, you know, they have, they have checkered yep. pasts uh, or they're peddling nonsense. And it's like, okay, there's, there's room for yeah. true expertise in this space. <laughs> and so I just kind of leaned into that direction. Yeah, and like five years later, I sort of, how much does it frustrate you now, especially with obviously a lot of the, you know, legalization, if you will, especially, you know, in the, in the various states and sort of adding them seemingly by the week and all of these sort of corporate, everybody has a take now sure. on betting, right? Whereas like three years ago, certainly well before that, kind of nobody <laughs> did. And now it's like every... Everyone has a, you know, a bet that they're recommending, whether they actually bet it themselves, like, do you, like, and it drives me nuts, right? <laughs> like, I like, but like, I'm not going to be the warrior, right? I'm not going to like, die on my shield here <laughs> and go like, okay, like, this person's a joke. This person's a joke. How can you ever recommend this as like a three team parlay because it's got, you know, an sure. odds boost because you're, you know, working with this company or whatever, like, does that bother you as much as, you, as it does me or are you sort of over it and you're kind of like blanking it out? Because that's the right answer, yeah. but like I'm hoping that you are a sicko like <laughs> at, at, at heart, I'm a sicko for sure, but 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 I'm not I'm okay. not I'm not willing to go to war over this because it's it's a losing yeah, battle. Okay. I mean it really is. And like I I mm -hmm. on, I honestly like there is an enormous segment of very sharp players out there whose like life mission is to uh you know fight that fight and credit to them for doing so, but I, I'm in this for right. entertainment. I'm, I'm, I'm entertained by betting on sports period. And I'm going to keep doing it for, yeah. because I find it entertaining. And it turns out that like creating content around it is equally entertaining for me. Like as much fun as it is to yeah. like, watch a game and have some action on it. Like now that my opinion is out into the ether and it's like, you know, it, it's 
it's uh credibility is on the line like that's as much of a of um mm-hmm. you know stakes in the game uh as you know four or five figure decision you know, right and like i learned that the hard way like sure. a couple of years ago not the hard way but like i learned that pretty clearly like a couple of years ago on um uh pat's uh, chiefs afc championship game um i that was yep oh that God, was a five-figure decision for me either way if the chiefs won or lost and mm-hmm. And yeah. it, that day went so sideways for me because I was, I was, I was so fat on the Saints, and the Saints blew it. Uh, and I the was Saints too, blew it against the Rams with that <laughs> non-PI call, and I was yeah. on. I was, I was, I was yeah. close to tilting. I was like, I, I was losing it, and um, yeah. and then halftime. It's been two years, and I have my head in my hands right now because I'm tilting. Like, as soon as he brought it up, I was like, yeah. "Oh God, he's going! There. He's going to that day." It was a oh, tough dear. one, man. Oh, it was God. a tough one. And, uh, yeah. yeah, like I, you know, the first half of that Chiefs game, the Chiefs just barely got on the field. The Patriots were running it down their throats. And it's mm-hmm. just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I can't believe this is going this way. I'm going to get cleaned out on these two games. And we do go do our halftime scope for that championship game. And like, we had our biggest audience ever watching. And I was just like, miserable. And I'm like, this sucks. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, we got to bet the Chiefs. Like, got to, you know, get an even better number now than pre flop. I have. You know, I thought they were going to win this game, and you know, the the I think they were down. I'm going to just going to guess it was like 14 to three or something like that, or 14 nothing. Like it was, it was super, yeah, super one sided at the halftime. And so, you basically were just like, yeah, the Chiefs are going to make this a game. Was the bet at the second half, and and you know, they go down and they have a chance to win there until D Ford, you know, is inexplicably offsides and, offside. and the game clinching play for the yeah. Chiefs, and and uh, it. You know, the the game, the you know, Patriots ended up scoring, game ends, they're going to the Super Bowl, and, like, the first thought that went through my head wasn't like, wow, that was a five-figure swing, this sucks. My first thought was, well, the second-half scope play was, was a winner. And I was like, I was like, why in the world does <laughs> right. that matter more to me than the fact that this was – right. so then I kind of figured out that, like, okay, like, there's just as much at stake here from a credibility standpoint and, like, the audience engagement and, like, you know, building up the expertise publicly uh, as there is in the winning and losing of, right. of dollars at this point because ne- I don't think I'm ever going to be at the stage where I'm betting enough on games that it's going to make a serious difference in my life from a financial standpoint. Like, I'm super happy and comfortable, uh, you know, living with the salary I make from engineering consulting and, and I, you know, I'm not, like, trying to buy, like, you know, an island <laughs> with winnings here and willing to make like <laughs> right. at any point right. in time so you know it's it's it is what it is at this point from a money side of things and and i think i probably get most of the uh you know most of the positive experience now from just the the stakes of the public reputation on the line so um you know so so that i don't know if that's a long way around kind of talking or talking around like my opinion of like the space which is that like like for sure right. like it is it takes five seconds for me at this point of listening to someone talk to realize if they're a fraud or if they know what they're talking about. And there are, there are, yeah. there is, it is unlistenable to hear someone talk on the radio about a pick yeah. and you know that they're not actually, don't yeah. not actually betting it. Don't actually have anything on the line. Like don't actually understand how the market works or yeah. how betting works. Like it is unlistenable. Like right. I can remember five yeah. years ago, I probably would listen to cousin Sal and Bill Simmons do like, guess the lines or like, or like the, the you know, the, the preseason win totals. And then like, I get hardcore into gambling Twitter for one year, go back to that same podcast that Mm -hmm. I used to love listening to where they do, you know, preview the win totals and listen. And I'm like, these guys aren't betting this. Like they don't know what the fuck they're talking. (laughs) They don't know what they're talking. Yeah. 
and they, and they might, might be. be because they make sure. like millions of dollars sure. a year sure. and like who knows because it's it's straight up recreational but it doesn't it doesn't matter yeah to them. if you, you don't know any better to them one way or the other because <laughs> right and they laugh sure. about the losses if it, yeah if it mattered and you would, i think you would know sal has a book yeah, coming right, out right 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 yeah exactly and you're like you know people are listening to this and they're taking you sure. seriously and that's important right and like you said like the credibility matters and sort of the reason I do these, you know, sort of interview type bio things is to sort of, you know, accentuate the people who I think have credibility, but also to just low key, you know, let people decide sure. on their own, right? Like, it's not just like, hey, let's see who's credible. It's like, okay, this is somebody I think is credible and you can take in their content and then sort of decide for yourself. But like, I'm not putting you on here if I don't think that you're credible, like it's not a setup and it's sure. not like a test For sure. or anything. It's just like, Hey, like I want people to be better at, at betting. And, and sometimes that's listening to me. And then sometimes that's listening to other people because everybody has, um, I shouldn't say everybody, but like the people that I respect all have something to get. Sure. Right. And like, whether you have a winning week or a losing week, there's a ton of stuff that you can kind of glean from that. And I believe in betting sort of like you say, as like a recreational thing, something that should be done in the same way that like, Oh, let's have a of couple course. of beers and watch the game. Like let's have a $10. Of bet course. On the yeah. Game. Like it, that should be the case. Sure. Right. And so, um, so I, I want to get to the podcast in a second here, but I, I, you know, we're sort of talking about like Twitter and that whole universe. So I have to ask the, the Twitter f- uh, handle at whale <laughs> underscore capper for everybody out there. And I had Preston Johnson on sure. in the summer who's sports yeah. cheetah. And I don't know that cheetah is the animal I'd first associate Preston <laughs> with. And when I think uh, like, I'm Preston is, a great guy, is, is, but, is um, surprisingly athletic. Oh, totally. And listen, the first 10 minutes of the podcast, we talked about some shooters yeah. and pointers. But I'm just saying, like, from a visual standpoint, I got like, hey, what's this animal? Cheetah. And so when I think whale <laughs> capper, I assume one of two things, right? One of them is like Vegas Dave sure. people yes. with whale place. And two is some 350 pound <laughs> fellow. And so since you're neither, how does that handle come about? <laughs> And is it weird when people call you whale? Like no, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, okay, so a couple of funny things. The uh, the again, okay, when I got started on gambling Twitter, I was friends with the guy uh, who was Zona Cats, who was also friends with Sports Cheetah, and they like a handful of those yep. other guys who were all um, you know animal monikers. And I was like, oh, I guess that's what you do. Like I didn't really know any better <laughs> yeah. at all. I'm starting to reevaluate some things. I didn't know any better at all, like how else you were supposed to come up with like a catchy, you know, m- you know, moniker or whatever right. if you were going to do an anonymous gambling account, right? Because you know, again, at the time, mm-hmm. like PASPA wasn't passed. There was no, there was no real legal gambling and no, no real gam- gaming sure. in the United States outside of Vegas, and so it was, it was a little frowned upon. I didn't want somebody to like Google me and like hit like holy crap like what is going on with you like like what is what is all this yeah like this is this is scary you right. know? um but it, you know it's the uh, the yeah, earthquake exactly. engineer gave out the bears yeah, exactly. last night what is, let's what get is him out happening of here. right here um yeah, yeah great point <laughs> yeah the um but yeah no the uh, the the you know the everybody else seemed to be having an animal on i was like okay well and and i thought back and i was like oh man and when i was a freshman in in that college at duke swim team like i you know, I used to wear a drag suit at practice that was too big for me, and my white ass was hanging out all the time. And the seniors used to be like, "I, it's the white whale," 
and like they used to just you know know, rip me for that at practice all the time and so i thought okay well uh, i'll just do the white whale then and you know i kind of was like this kind of has some cool parallels with sports betting you know like it's like you you can you ever really be a winner in this is it is is it you know is this you know is there a literary parallel here with being the white whale you know and (laughs) and then i was like and like i knew whales had like some connotation to like big betters and i'm like i'm here as a recreational player betting 50 bucks a game at the time and i'm like this is kind of a funny tongue-in-cheek like i'm obviously not a whale you know so this is you know those are kind of the thoughts that went through my head when i made the moniker in the first place and then obviously like three years later, I come across Vegas Dave, the ultimate scam artist, who's giving out whale plays, and I'm like, "Well, this is unfortunate." <laughs> <Yeah>. So, so <laughs> well, that's too bad. That's that's yeah. a shame. <laughs> yeah, well, no going, no back, going back, now. back now. So, no going back now. Here we are. <laughs> okay, so I imagine with the whole recreational betting thing, obviously that leads you into just, I guess, deciding to do the podcast. So, first of all, it's called the Deep Dive Podcast, and you do it with your buddy Andy Molitor. So first of all, how do you decide to do it? How do you and Andy meet? Like he's in like what, Minnesota or something along those lines? Like tell me about sort of the genesis of the podcast. Yeah, so again, like in probably two years into developing a Twitter handle and just basically a personality on Twitter for sports betting content, um, it got to the point where I couldn't listen to, you know, Bill Simmons talk about gambling anymore because it was driving me insane. Uh, (laughs) And... Uh, yeah. Like I like I, I'd be in the car with my wife. We would be driving like somewhere awesome on vacation. Put that on, and I would just be insufferable. Like you know, just you know, my opinion was so much better. So and then she, I think she even called me out. Yeah. One I was like, oh, if your opinion is so good, why don't you just do your own podcast? And and I was like, mm. maybe I will. <laughs> and then and then sure yeah. sure enough, like uh, a couple other people. Uh, you know, I kind of, you know, I kind of got the sense that like, how hard is this? Is it hard? Is it easy? Would people even listen to this? Like I had no clue when we first got started. Um, and, uh, I had, I had started building out like kind of a, a, a pretty useful information network among other handicappers on Twitter. Um, and as part of that, like, um, you know, I, I was handicapping tennis every day for the ATP tour. And um, there are so many games and it's so tough to keep your eyes on every game. You really need like a team of people who are like keeping an eye out for like small things that can make a difference in terms of injury or form and and matchups and stuff like that. Um, And so we basically got a whole group of guys together who were watching a shit ton of tennis and betting on it every day. And, uh, you know, we talked chatting about it and um, I was posting tennis, tennis modeling. You know, I was, I was posting like a a pretty robust model on tennis every day. And, and um, Andy started just chirping me like, just like, you know, just straight up, like, (laughs) shit talking me and i was like but it was funny you know like it was a very it was a very um you know pretty clearly like humorous and you know like it wasn't just trolling it was like actually funny and um and i was like oh this guy would be good to put in the tennis chat so i threw him in there and and his sense of humor was like exact it's exactly in my wheelhouse like i think maybe just because of age or because of interest or because we have like similar somehow similar experiences like it's like he's just very very funny to me particularly um and then we got to football coming up around football season and i was like talking either to him directly or among our group and i was like who anyone have like a special feel for nfl who has an interest in doing a podcast and uh andy was into it and i was like okay well let's give this a try um and yeah we started recording it uh threw it up online got like 500 or so people to listen to the first episode and i was like i was shocked i figured it would be like 25 or 50 right. 
you know, I was like, I can't believe people actually want yeah. to hear this. And, you know, we were previewing <laughs> the NFL season, I think four seasons ago. And, um, you know, it got to yeah. the point where we were like, okay, well, why are we doing this? Well, number one, like there's no one else doing this that I would want to listen to, which means that there's like for sure a demand demand for this, at least among the people who are like right. heavy duty handicapping. And, um, and it was yeah. fun. Like I've, I think I've always t- told other people this too, but like if you, know, you ask your, you have, you know, drunk conversations, I have conversations, whatever, like if you won the lottery, what would you do? Yeah. And I'd be like, Oh, I'd try to get into like sports talk radio or something like that. Like that'd be fun. And, and yeah, so it was like, sure. wait, we can actually yeah. just do this and it's free and people <laughs> yeah. are actually listening yeah. to it. And it was like, okay, this is interesting. Like let's, you know, let's, let's do this throughout the season. We'll do two a week. We'll see how it goes. We'll figure out along the way, like what we need to do to do better at this. And, you know, we'll see at the end of the season, if this is something we like doing and we want to keep doing it, we'll just, we'll keep doing it. And, um, it took about four weeks, maybe, maybe six weeks before it became super clear that like forcing yourself to talk out why you were making a pick, um, made it was just like crystal clear after one like like week eight we do the pod i make a couple of cases i I had all my bets in already you know i bet this and i bet this and and i look back and i'm like man why in the hell did i bet that like i couldn't even i couldn't even say why (laughs) like i couldn't even come up with a good reason yeah like that was that was a terrible play and then sure enough the weekend comes you're like three points underwater in terms of CLV and you're like, okay, yeah, that was a terrible play. Like, damn it. And, um, and so, you you know, you kind of figured it out like just through the act of talking it out and, you know, sharpening an opinion and formulating all of your points in an organized way that like, it made me a much better handicapper for NFL, especially. And, um, yeah. And actually, you know what? We put so much time into it for the NFL <laughs> that I was like, I have to stop, you know, stop betting college football and all this other nonsense that I definitely did not have an edge in. <laughs> and, and then that, that helped me right. to like, holy shit, I just need to focus on one thing. Yeah. This is huge. Yeah. I'm sort of wondering about that this year for college football, because I mean, listen, it's just an absolute disaster show on a week to week basis, right? As far as all the COVID stuff and that kind of thing. And yeah, like since I started doing this too, you know, I, it, I should have been doing this a long time ago, right? Like my background is in sports media. Like I worked for the, you know, biggest national sports network in Canada for 11 years and would just host people in my edit suite talking, you know, about, you know, in this case, NFL. And it's like, you know, this should be a show. And it's like, yeah, it should be. And it was, yeah, it should be for about five years <laughs> until it actually was. Of course. Right? And you're just like, and now you're doing it. You're like, you know, when I have to talk about this, I, I can, it's not so much like talking in and out of a play. It's more just the degree of which I like it. Right. And so yes. instead of, like you said, sort of getting poisoned by the different podcasts and whatever that you listen to, you go, well, what did I say? <laughs> right. Like, what did I say on my podcast yesterday about this? And almost sort of self-checking your, you know, oh, you yeah. in a way yeah. that you wouldn't normally get For a sure. chance to do. So you guys recently, uh, quote unquote, sold the podcast. So I think you're probably required to mention the sponsor, plug the sponsor. But how did that come about? Were you guys seeking out sponsors or is it just like somebody came to you and was like, hey, you know, we like what you're doing. Yeah, blah, no, blah, blah, it's blah. It le- legitimately we had um, 
after two years of doing the podcast and kind of generating a pretty steady audience of people listening, even outside of the football season, um, we were like, we should try to find sponsors mm-hmm. and nobody really tells you how hard that is. <laughs> like You would think like <laughs> right. they just come find yeah. you, right? Like you have this audience. Say, well, guess right. the only people that come find you are mybookie.com. That's it. <laughs> the only, no one else is, no one else is <laughs> okay. coming to find you. Everyone else, you have to go out and do the hard right. work yourself to, to kind of convince them that like, hey, right. we have uh, a niche audience. They are very hardcore about this one topic and your, you know, your brand intersects with their brand and therefore you should pay us to talk about it. Like it's it is very, very tough to make those connections. I think that's probably why agents exist. That's probably why there's like, you know, there's an enormous, yep. uh, you know, you know, amount of money to be made kind of being the intermediary for, for folks between talent and, uh, and advertisers. And, uh, you know, it was, it was an eye opening kind of disappointing, like how hard that was and how unlikely we were to really ever, you know, make meaningful money advertising on the podcast. And so we're like, okay, well, we'll just keep it ad free and we'll just, you know, keep doing it cause we like to do it. Um, and then, yeah, the guys from Betsperts who, uh, started a betting app, you know, a couple of years ago and, you know, we got to be friendly with them because they had a couple of, you know, big events uh, in Las Vegas and invited us out to participate. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, I guess the fruits of being a, a an influencer, you know, we're like, oh man, we get to do these cool <laughs> right. things and people are, you know, having parties and we get to go like, this is kind of cool. Like I never would have thought that this was an actual right. thing, but here we are. Um, and yeah. you know, there are guys just like us who had normal jobs that were like, we're really passionate about betting. We want to start this app. And, um, you know, they got us, you know, a second round of funding and they're like, we have this money. We want to build out a content arm as part of our, you know, overall thing right now. And, you know, there's two ways to do that. Obviously you hire good people and you start from scratch and it takes a long time or you go out and, you know, you buy existing content with audiences. And so they came to us first out of, out of the blue, like, Hey, like, we're going to do this. We're going to start a content arm. Uh, and, you know, we want you guys to be sort of the flagship part of this. And that was that. And it was easy call. Never, never would have thought, awesome. um, yeah. you know, never would have thought that was the thing that could happen. Number one, definitely in the immediate aftermath of getting an offer, realizing that like what we had built and done had value was like huge affirmation. And then, uh, you know, being, yeah. you know, having like someone invested in this to, upgrade our quality of production and, you know, support, support the product yep. and make it better. And like, you know, try to help advertise and, and continue to help us grow as far as an audience goes. Like all that is very cool. So it was a easy call. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it's probably, it's probably the future. I, there's going to be massive amount of consolidation in this space because, uh, you know, there's just this, yeah, it sure uh, seems like it. There's, there, there's a ton of money. There's a ton of investment <laughs> money out there that wants into the gambling space somehow. They don't know how to get into it. And, um, you know, there's a limited, yep. there's a finite amount of, of decent content. So I think it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds over the next couple of years for sure. Definitely. So, I mean, part of that too is like, you know, you just sort of made this announcement in the last couple of weeks here. But, you know, in your mind, sort of taking a step back, you know, part of it has to be that like, you know, you're kind of everywhere right now, like you as, a, as an individual. And so, you know, taking that step back, I say this as a guy with a podcast, how did you go from being a guy with a podcast to being like the guy that people have on as a guest everywhere, right? Like, you know, VEASAN, you better, you bet, like you've got all these different appearances, like matchbook, 
Uh, I'm just kind of reeling them off here. And if there's more, I mean, yeah, to NBC know, Sports, but, um, the biggest one, you know, like in your, in, 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 there you, <laughs> yeah. there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. No, uh, no, apologies I'm, I'm, to yeah, our friends at NBC Sports. <laughs> but like, yeah, how does that happen? If, if it's like, you know, when you go like, is that something you seek out or is it just, you know, is it the same kind of deal where you're just like, okay, uh, it, sort it, of happens. more of the, more of the B really. Um, I didn't, I, I, yeah. I never said no to any opportunity figuring like, Hey, if I do a good job at this, of course, yeah. worst case scenario, I make a friend, uh, best case scenario, this goes well right. and I get an opportunity to do it again. And, and so just by yep. sheer, just not saying no and, um, and building out a network, yep. Um, it was, you know, the rest was gravy really like the, for, for sure. I got a, you know, yeah. got a call from the NBC sports folks over the summer. Like, Hey, we want to, we're going to roll out, start rolling out gambling content and, you know, we need NBA stuff and no one else is doing that. Like, do you have an interest in that? And that was like, it was like the easiest yes ever. Like, of course, like whatever, what do you, whatever you guys want, like I'll, I'll start putting it together. And like that guy got my name because he was friends with the guy, you know, the guy that developed the gambling app that bought our podcast. Like it's a weird small world like that at the very top (laughs) where, you know, if you have friends who, you know, who are connected at that level, like, you know, there's a, there's a a finite pool of, uh, of talent. And, um, you know, there's again, kind of going back to our point from a couple, a couple minutes ago, like the people who are well known for doing content are either, you know, either committed already or they're, closet scam artists right. who you really want nothing to do with yeah like, <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah and, and <laughs> yeah exactly so it's it's a, yeah it's a really shallow pool uh and it's yeah yeah and i always sort of say like you never know of who's course listening, absolutely right? true absolutely true and that's and right all it takes and, is uh, one. and so yeah just kind of you know like I get a ton of feedback, like, you know, Hey, you know, what's your record? Be more transparent. Like, why do you like that? Like, what do you think of this now? Right. Like they, like you, right. I, you get a lot of comments and a lot of chirping and you get a lot of unsolicited messages sure. and stuff like that. And as long as you kind of try to be pretty aggressive, responding to everyone, being, being polite, being cordial, being transparent, not like, you know, just basically just being a decent person in the space like that that sets you apart <laughs> right <laughs> that sets you apart. it goes a long way yeah like, it goes a long just way. by being yeah. decent in this space i know like you you effectively have an edge it's yeah. it's it's absolutely crazy um but uh no but it's exciting yeah. it's exciting to get a call from visa it's exciting to you know to get a call from nbc sports it's uh uh and uh you know the the matchbook show we do uh you know that goes out on twitter like the numbers that I see that people are watching that and, you know, give us feedback on that. It's, it, it's crazy that there's, that there's this many people engaging with it. And, uh, none of this was really planned. All this just sort of happened. So it's, uh, it's surreal. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your process a little bit and you, you know, your focus is NBA, NFL and tennis. And from an NFL standpoint, that's the season that we're in right now. And maybe it's the same thing for the NBA. You seem to split your plays pretty evenly between sides and totals. Can you give us an idea of how you land on a play and decide, you know, maybe it's a little bit more obvious, but maybe the, how you calculate a rating for a team and, Maybe this is a separate question, but how you come up with your number for a total? Like I'm notoriously bad with totals, so I'm always impressed when anybody can come up, with, you know, with like an edge in totals because you know in a sport where that counts by threes and sevens, <laughs> like things can get awfully hairy oh, pretty for sure. quick, right? So, um, you know, kind of let us in behind sure. the curtain. You're you right know, that they're very two very different processes. 
um, yeah. I, I kind of weave them and present them all as sort of one thing at the end of the day. So it probably looks like it's just the, mm-hmm. uh, oh, you're just coming up with a projection. And if there's an edge, you're playing it. Um, but for sure, there's a lot more <clears throat> kind of uh, two, two very different sort of processes that go into uh, the two different uh, handicap sides. I'm mostly looking at efficiency stats now. Um, I take uh, EPA per play um, from NFL Scraper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I adjust for opponent strength. Uh, I clean out garbage time. Uh, I have effect, uh, and I split up um, passing and um, passing and rushing offense and defense. <clears throat> and then I take Go. I take those and come up with uh, basically a historical ranking of this team's you know this team's offense and this team's defense. Um, upweighting passing versus rushing, uh, upweighting offense versus defense, right. and compare it historically to every team that we've you know that we have in the database going back to like 2000, right? And and so I have kind okay. of a general strength then idea of that team, and I know how they'll perform against an average team over the last 20 years or so, and you know from there you can get right. to okay, well now you have like an you know an expected win percentage against an average team. Uh, pretty straightforward to convolve that into uh, points against the average team on a neutral. Um, and then you can, you know, can repeat that for every team until you have a set of power rankings that are reasonably defensible. Right. And the only thing, only wrinkle mm-hmm. I would add mm-hmm. even beyond that, because some people might say, well, well, you know, what do you do week one, two, and three when you don't have any data? Uh, I, I effectively take, you know, sure. I develop a prior for every team. That's my opinion, obviously based on, um, the current season's performance combined with transactions combined with, uh, you know, just sort of general, um, progression expectations for young players, um, and come up with a, you know, reasonable prior, uh, compare that to the market preseason, take some preseason action on that. Um, but then I pretty much abandoned my own priors after week one and two, and I'm just using the market-based priors. Uh, and that gets a pretty strong weight for me up until we get to about halfway through the season. But even now I'm still about two thirds um, data from t- t- from 2020 and then uh, one-third uh, prior strength because you still want a little bit of that anchor in there, in my opinion, as you go through the season to help keep you, uh, you know, from going overboard in terms of small sample size. Um, sure. Right. But the uh, – so so that's kind of the general sense of uh, how I get sort of a median strength idea for a given team. And then I have team – yeah, sure. So what percentage, sure. sorry to interrupt you, but like, just like what percentage, and again, we're talking just sides in this case, but like, you know, what percentage would you, you know, obviously there's a ton of math there, right? So the science element, um, what percentage of art, if you will, it comes into it, situations, all of that sort of old school handicapping. Is there any at all? Like I've heard you talk about it. So I know that there's some, is it 50, 50, 70, 30, like how, how do you sort of account for, whether a team is going to play to their rating or to the top God, end or bottom end. That is a hugely important question. And people, I, people, maybe, people maybe don't even really I think know. about the, the range part of it, right? Like people <laughs> are thinking about like a single number, getting right. to an average, getting to a median, mean, whatever. Like you're thinking about a specific value when in reality you should be thinking in terms of range. You should be thinking of distribution of a, of a team's performances. And on any given day, you can get an A-plus from a team going up against a team that gives you an F and you can get a 59-0 to zero game. Right. Like that can happen. Absolutely happen. Right. Like it does happen. Yeah. And yeah. Saints. Sure. Saints. Great, Bucks ex- from great example of that. Um, and 
or or yeah. on the flip side, Bucks yes, Packers exactly. from yes, two weeks exactly. before that. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Like the the Saints aren't a trillion <laughs> right. points better than the Packers, or they would have yes, not lost to the Packers. Great point. That's two weeks exact, before that. Exactly. Right? Exactly correct. Um, so it is. Uh, you know, they're they're for sure acknowledging uh, acknowledging. Um, the range of outcomes and, and trying to project specifically where a team is going to fall in that range is very, very subjective, but it can be quantified. Absolutely. It can be quantified. You can absolutely come up with the, yep. uh, the percentile mm-hmm. adjustment that you should make for a team's winning percentage coming off a buy. If they're at home, uh, you, uh, coming off a buy, yep. if they're on the road, uh, coming off of 10 days rest, going up against a team coming off a of six days rest. Like there is enough data in the, in the, it's all, everything is small sample size in NFL. So there's always going to be some subjective, some subjective, yeah. um, narrative at play. Almost always. Like you're almost always going to see this is a motivational sure. low spot or high spot. And I just decided that, right? Like I don't actually have data that suggests yeah. that I just decided, right. right. Or, Oh, this is a bad travel spot because yeah. I decided it was going to be bad. Like maybe, maybe and it may not end up manifesting right. at all. Right. Like there, but for sure, um, if you can, uh, capture some small edges like that, it might be the difference maker in terms of making a player staying off of play. Um, and it is a lot of it is subjective and the same thing mm-hmm. goes with injuries. Like I have for sure my, my most painful losses this season yeah. have 100% come from, um, under appreciating injuries around the, around the edges, right? Like small, small things that you're like, how could that matter? Right. Right. Like, how could this be, how could this be a 10% swing for this guy? Right. Like the C like Greg's best example of last week, Seahawks center goes out and they have absolutely no answer for the interior pressure from the Rams. They double tripled, uh, Aaron Donald, which let Floyd and Brockers just absolutely wreak havoc in that game. They had yeah. no answer for it. And it's like going into that one, I was like, eh, replacement center or whatever. Like I, I literally made no adjustment for it at all, even though yeah. I knew it was, right. it was coming. Right. And like, there's been some weird. Yeah. But well, who knew that? Uh, yeah. Who knew Another that Ali Marpet would be a household or a quasi household <laughs> yes. name, yes. right? Because Wyatt he missed Teller. the game. And it's like, Ali Marpet, Wyatt Teller 30 goes points out and difference. Cleveland's rushing attack falls difference. apart, like, right? Falling yeah. apart at the seams. Yeah. Come back yeah. and they. It he comes ex- back and exactly. like, I could have ran. Exactly. Like weird small stuff like that with some of these. Uh, players who you may not think are first order players. Oh, another one. I played the Ravens last week thinking uh, that they were just going to run amok on the Patriots because the Patriots rush defense has been so, so suspect this season and they get Lawrence guy back. And I look at him like, yeah, "Yeah, whatever. Lawrence guy. He's not, you think that one guy is going to fix everything. He's just, he's just another guy. Uh, He was a very important guy. (laughs) It turned out. And uh, yeah. And similarly, right. And then it's like, like, I underappreciate that. Yeah. Cincinnati's without like three of their offensive linemen. Still can't generate a pass rush. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's like, doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like, what, what are we doing? Here? How yes. am I supposed to figure one right, thing right. out from the next? And right, like, what are we? That's the subjective part. How do we? For why sure, we I was it? on Tennessee that day because I was like, look, this pass rush hasn't gotten home any against mm-hmm. anyone, but they've been playing tough offensive lines. Here they go up against a, a mash unit. They're going to finally eat, uh, and they didn't. They, they still couldn't generate mm-hmm. anything, right? So that was for sure subjective decision making that cost me in that one. Yep. Um, but then there's been other ones where I've been beneficial. Yeah, I've, I've benefited from it for sure. Like my, my power rating said, bet the Rams over the Dolphins. Like all, like don't even think about it. Don't think twice. This is a clear, obvious play. 
but then you kind of look at the Rams schedule and it was like, holy hell, this is their sixth trip to the East coast in like eight, eight weeks. Like this is impossible, you know, tough <laughs> right. travel spot for them. Like yeah. no way. Uh, so stayed away from that and go and going into and the, going into weekend, the playing in the heat, too, right? uh, you know, in South Florida, it's gonna be a hot weekend. And yeah. yeah so, you know, there, there are, um, you can, in general, I would say, if you have the ability to make the effort to quantify these situational stuff, weather impacts, injury impacts, make an effort, right? right? Like don't just, don't just, uh, you know, just yeah. don't st stick your finger in the air and just say it's worth two points or whatever. Like try to make an effort to quantify it. And like <clears throat> the easiest way yeah. that I, or at least the way that I do it, and this is you know kind of entirely subjective, like, uh, you know, you're entirely like up, you know, build your own way. Like for sure. Like you're going to build a, you're not, you're never going to get an edge in a market like the NFL if you're trying to copy what someone else is doing. So, you know, kind of think, <laughs> think through it and come up with your own plan, I guess. Yeah. But the, um, the, yeah. you have a range for a team, right? right? And you have a median expectation and some standard mm -hmm. deviation around that median, median, right? <clears throat> and it's, it's a unique distribution yep. because it's not a normal distribution because any team's performance is like you said, you get scores by threes and sevens. It's a very, it's a very unusually shaped distribution of points scored by teams, right. In a given week. And so I pick yep. number one, I pick straight off of that existing historic distribution so that I'm getting real scores in terms of performance, as opposed to just total nonsense, right? Like 25.63 points this week. Right. And then number two, right. um, I have my yep. median expectation in terms of a percentile that I'm getting by weighting my team strength versus their opponent's team strength, right? And then I'm adding my subjective uh, changes okay. to it in terms of misfit in number of standard deviations from the median, right? So uh, like great example, like this team is making okay. a second trip to the East Coast in back-to-back -back weeks. I'm going to dock them half a standard deviation in terms of their expectation. You know, kind of lastly, uh, before I make a play on an over and under, like I try to just think through um, game state and just sort of the DNA of a given team. Like, does this team, is this team, if this team goes down, right. do they have a comeback in them? Right. Like if they're down by 10 points, like do they have right. the passer, the weapons? Are they going up against a brutal pass rush? Or are they going up against a good pass defense from a coverage standpoint? Right, like those. You get, I kind of like to check all those boxes before sure. I get involved in an over and under at this point in line. So I'm I'm, I'm playing more sides this year than right. I would in a normal year, um, just because totals have been tougher for me for whatever reason this year. But uh, but I I do like to kind of think right. through that, and that that's also super important in terms of trying to come up with a second half handicap on some of these games, right? Like if if a team, there are certain teams like um, like the Chiefs, if the Chiefs are down in a game, like they can't right. make they can't make the total high enough. The live total, right. I guarantee you, at seven points is too low. Guarantee. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's this. Yeah. yeah it's a game sure. script flexibility, right? Like Kansas City has like all of the flexibility on any game script you sort of want to cook up. And like, that's easier to deal with, to predict, if you will, than the team where you're like, well, I expect this team to do this, but they have to do this in order to stay in the game. Like San Francisco against Green Bay, like a couple of weeks ago, it was like, yes, they, you know, it's set plus seven and a half. Like, that's a good bet. But, you know, especially according to the market that ended up like six and you go, okay, but San Francisco has to run the ball and they have to do it early and that's the only way that this is going to work out, right? If they don't do that and if they get down early, then it's a complete sweepstakes at that point. 
And then, of course, San Francisco comes out and they throw the ball <laughs> on the first three plays yeah. of the game and, you know, give it right yeah. back to Green Bay, who's already up seven to nothing. And you're just like, oh, OK, well, like the game script is just never going to work out for yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. The rest and of the way. Here. I guess the kind of final point on all this, because yeah. we're heavy duty into modeling here, is I, I still really ever only <laughs> um, use it as a starting point. Right? Like the, it's 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 impossible yeah. to understate how important it is to understand the market you're betting into to have respect for market making books when they move, why they're moving, uh, you know, and, and for sure, if you see the whole screen get bombed and you you can do a little, you know, you can do a little bit of backtracking, figure out, uh, you know, talk to some people, where did this come from? Who's betting this? Why is this because, you know, this is some, you know, tout with a massive following who just released something like, is it someone I respect who's playing this? Uh, right. Is this someone who has information on a particular team and they've done it now twice in a row, like two weeks in a row, like, and, and or like you see openers mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, the market was white hot on this team now two weeks. Like they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to get bet again because they rewarded them twice. Like they obviously have an edge on this team and the market's slow to adjust. Right. And, you know, like, so, so weaving in some level of, um, you know, kind of market analysis before making a final set of plays, I think is super important. Yeah. I was going to ask you about it too, because you'll see a lot of people be like, you know what? I have my handicap. I don't care what the market's doing. And to me, it's like, there are too many times. And I would sort of make it an average of like 2.5 times. That's just a random made up number, but like 2.5 times a week, you know, there's going to be games that are just, if you look at where the markets and the line is moving and sort of everything that you kind of know about the perception of those teams you go, <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. sure. You know, or, or maybe yeah, it's not, right. uh-oh, or maybe it's like, yay, right? Like, and it isn't just as simple as like, I mean, I would make the case, right, that the fact that the Rams last week went up to two and a half when, you know, a lot of people like the Seahawks for obviously viable reasons. Oh, but you yes. go, oh, yes. uh-oh, 100%. if you're on Seattle 100%. in that case, right? Like you had to kind yeah. of feel like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. And it's just the idea that we're just throwing that out and being like, I don't care. Like my number's my number, like let them bet it. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Like I think it's a very small sample size of, or a few, very few cases where let them bet it is sort of the right yeah. sort of attitude, you know, like sure. Sometimes when it's like the super obvious, like everybody loves like basically every game from the Patriots sure. yeah, over yeah, the last yeah. 20 years sure. where it's like, yeah, it's going to be inflated. It's going to go up at the, you know, on game day and like we can sucker, you know, sucker ourselves into whoever the underdog is and hope it hangs in there because the numbers say that there's a ton of value on whoever the hell the Patriots are playing that yeah. week. And then we're going to yeah. look like idiots because they're going to block a punt and we never saw yeah. that coming. No, no, no. You're, you're, and it is what it is. Your, so, your point is super uh, as valid. As the modeling, the only thing I can add oh, to that is uh, for sure, I track closing line value very closely. I'm always interested in knowing if a number is moving toward me or away sure. from me. And I think that's extremely important if you want to take the next step and be a, a plus EV handicapper. No question in my mind. The And at this point, like I, I'm in the NFL, Absolutely. I get closing line value on about two-thirds of my plays, and I'm happy, right? On, on the two-thirds mm-hmm. that I have closing yeah, line sure. value, I'm not considering those for sure wins. But on the one third that I get, where the number gets thrown in my okay. face, like th- those are almost always losers. Almost always. <laughs> right. Never had a chance. Never had a chance. Never had a yeah, chance. I made a yeah, bad play. Never, I didn't never see something important and the, the no, jig is no. up. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that just sort of gives sort of the idea of how stacked against us this sort of whole system is in a lot of ways. Cause you're just like, how, like, how is that possible that like, yeah, I'm, how am I not a hundred percent closing line value? 
uh, or when I have good closing line value, sure. but how am I getting absolutely <laughs> smoked when I don't? So um, let's put that model to work here. I'm going to have some questions, a couple of questions for you, and then we'll get you out of here because you've been way too generous with your time. But I'm going to get a little selfish here. Since, the, since we've talked enough about you, I'm going to get selfish uh, in the next couple of questions here. Uh, I'm going to ask you for two teams. Okay, so there's eight weeks left in the season. We're going to throw out week 17 because that's an absolute sweepstakes. If we had to bet on one team every game the rest of the season, who would it be? So basically a long way of me asking for an underrated team the rest of the way. Like if we needed to go four and three for our lives, what team? And we had to make that bet right now. We had to agree to a team. Who would that team be? Man. And the reverse, the the second question is going to be the reverse of that. So if you have a team that you want to fade and you want to think (laughs) a little bit longer about the team that you want to bet on, uh, you know, the second question is going to be the opposite. Who would you fade and, uh, <laughs> and why is it the Eagles? Oh, man. Oh, my God. They have absolutely I can't stand the Eagles. Year. The Eagles have been so bad. Um, man, if I'm picking a team to back the rest of the way, it's a team that I'm looking for a couple of characteristics. Of course, because if the market's low on them now, okay. like, and they do well for a couple of weeks, like, that's right. it. Like, the jig is up. Like, you, you, re- you really – you need someone – you need someone right. who's going who who is well yeah. coached, uh, who is well positioned to pivot into the home stretch in terms of um, you know the way their game uh, plays when the weather gets colder. Um, I wouldn't mind a team that has a relatively soft okay. landing, at least from a schedule standpoint. Um, and uh, I wouldn't mind a team that's going to get healthy players back down the stretch. Um, because that always ends up, you know, like the, te- like the teams that like you look up at the end of the season and you're like, how in the heck did they end up eight and eight when they started out like two and six or whatever. Right. Like, like the, the, a lot of times it's, you know, they, sure. they got important pieces back at, towards the end of the season that you just weren't expecting. Um, without question, a team like the chargers is the, you know, they are the most underperforming relative to their strength in terms of win loss. And so there should, they yeah. should probably mm-hmm. finish eight and eight or, you know, seven and nine. And right now what they have two wins, right? Like, so they, they, you know, they're, sure. they're a decent candidate, but at the same time, like, <laughs> right. Lynn has done absolutely nothing to inspire any kind of confidence uh, in me this season. And uh, Justin Herbert, he's yep. overperformed. I'm, you know, maybe he's as good as he's looked. Maybe he is, but I'm you know, oh. from a rookie quarterback standpoint. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you yeah. can, in general count on rookies to hit the wall uh, as you get later into the season. Um, you know, it's, I, I would say the chargers are probably, um, you know, probably one of those teams that are ripe to continue to fade. Um, and, and okay. So, so that's kind of okay. top of my list in terms of fades. Um, I don't see really any teams that are clearly and obviously going to tank this year down the stretch, even though it's a very hot quarterback market and there are a right. number of very, uh, quarterback hungry teams. Um, I'm tempted to put a team like Kansas city into the conversation for a team that I would back with my life, depending on it, because mm-hmm. <laughs> they, um, they have a very, sure. they have a tough <laughs> schedule. So you're going to get some low numbers, uh, including this week. I, yeah. I love them this week at six and a half against Vegas. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, yeah, they're <laughs> yeah me too. One, but they've underperformed this year. <laughs> like they are really, they are really not uh, you yeah. know, a little bit of championship itis, yeah. you know, a little bit of, we're not, we're not going to get 
up and get motivated sure. to beat the tar out of the bad teams that are on our schedule. Uh, we're just going to play them close and let Mahomes do his magic at the end of these games, and that'll be that. Um, they're going to get a couple of pieces back healthy. Presumably, Sammy Watkins comes back at some point. Their offensive line is going to get more healthy. Um, their defense can play better than they played for sure last couple of games. So if, I, if I'm taking one team – against the spread mm-hmm. the rest of the way it's probably the Kansas City Chiefs I believe in uh, uh I believe in Big Red he's got he, you're gonna get short lines against the Raiders the Bucks the Dolphins and the Saints for sure um and then yep. and then if if they can uh if they can there you go you know pound the tar out of the Broncos and the Chargers on top of that then I think you're looking at six and one with them okay there you go uh more tighter questions two more and then I promise you have to go uh we'll uh easier question first one side this weekend that if I was saying, okay, I'm going, to, I need one play here for the circa million. I don't know. Are you a contest? Guy I used to be a contest guy, but it doesn't really fit with my schedule of handicapping nowadays. So I gave it up. Okay. So if I had to uh, include some uh, aside, assuming the lines are static and they are what they are today, uh, give me one for this weekend. Pressure's on. Green Bay. Green Bay wins outright. Ah, okay, good. I like that. I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to say that I didn't put that in the five, um, so I can actually put that in with uh, with full conscious. And then the difficult question one. Um, and so, first of all, a little quick story here, and it's and it's a quasi plug. The thing that I enjoy most from you and Andy is sure. the halftime periscopes. So, if anybody, you know, what you don't know out there is that these guys. Uh, do halftime periscope and listen, Monday night football, Sunday night football, Thursday night football. Is there anything more absolutely dreadful than the pre or halftime shows in these, in these games? There isn't right. Like that's just a fact. So um, you can make that 15 minutes or so go by hella quick with checking out these guys periscope they'll always have a always frankly it's a little bit forced two-thirds of the time two-thirds of the time there's no but we have to pick something yes two-thirds of the time yeah yeah (laughs) right it's no edge but under in the second half um yeah and so so check that out so um we're in the circus survivor we are still alive we had the patriots against the jets and we get into halftime and i am like i'm on tilt to the max i'm like am i just dumping my entire account on the jets just to save this like to somehow turn this night around and i like flip on the periscope and you guys are like you know what patriots money line plus i forget what it was 150 something along those like not it wasn't even that insane it was just like the comfort of going on there and seeing you guys be like you know what i think the patriots have a shot to come back in this game i was like i didn't bet sure. it because like i was already mega committed right and so i'm just like i'm just like oh, okay everybody just calm down and i'm like i'm sitting here by myself everybody just nobody freak out out here uh these guys you know they're on it like we're gonna we're gonna make it everybody and Damn it if they didn't end up winning the game. And so thank you for sort of talking me off the ledge, <laughs> even though you didn't necessarily know that you were doing it. Um, so I think we're going to, knock on wood, hopefully oh, maybe nice. survive this weekend because we've got the Steelers against the Jags. I don't okay, see it. I was going to say, tell me not, if you think that's There's probably no better. Because I'm just looking. This is kind for, of the end okay. of the future value, I think, to take the Steelers and the Jaguars. The J- I mean, shoot. The Packers played down to the Jaguars last yeah. week. If you kind of break down Jake Luton's uh, – performance it was bad it was really bad now he's going up against a much much more uh you know yeah. and, and honestly he was under pressure from a, a, a packers team that has been very 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 hard pressed to, to find a pass rush so mm-hmm. um steelers defense should absolutely eat in this one. Oh, absolutely 
and they got a punt return touchdown. It was, it was very fortunate that they were even in the game. I wish to God that they had won because like 200 <laughs> of the 300 people left uh, had the Packers. So point is, is we have to do a Thanksgiving Day pick. And so right now it looks like the Washington-Dallas game is going to be the game that we're going to have to select from. Because if we're taking the Steelers this week, we're not going to take that game there. So according to your model, what is the point spread expectation? And sure. um, you know, do you have see. a lean sort of a jump ahead on you Break that game down for me. Um, sort of. I mean, the problem – I mean, this <laughs> is the so the couple, the, a couple of weird things. Obviously, you know, last week, Dallas um, – you know, played up to the Steelers yes. for sure. Uh, the fact that they they pulled, you know, they yep. they pulled the they pulled the plug on the Ben DiNucci experiment was um, huge relief because that was going nowhere. Um, and Garrett Gilbert, I mean, he was actually kind of good in the AAF. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah. he's got a role as a quarterback in this league. That was an easy call. Um, but now it looks like Andy Dalton's back. Yep. And I got to tell you what, when Andy Dalton is under pressure, he is real bad. And th- there's no reinforcements coming anytime yeah, soon no. for this offensive line for Dallas. Uh, the Washington football team, as bad as their secondary is, their front seven is their men. You know, they're, those, those, are some, those are some men. So, And, and that's tr- true, but I've been yeah. a little bit disappointed in them in the last couple of weeks. Right against the Giants and against the Lions, like I've bet on on Washington in both cases, you know, won one, lost one, and you know, but I'm watching those games. I was like, I'm waiting for Matt Stafford. I'm waiting for Daniel Jones to get strip sacked at some point, and it's just not happening. Uh, you know, the Cowboys did get a couple of reinforcements before that Steelers game and held up okay, like good enough, right? Like to be able to score a little bit, really less scoring, more moving the ball, mm-hmm. and then sort of having unfortunate things happen to them at the end of drives. But, um, you know, yeah, like uh, it's funny how it's gone from, okay, you, you want to save the Cowboys for things. <laughs> double digits And then things happen. And now it's like, Oh, Washington's going to be the play. Like, did you see them smoke Dallas like at home and da, 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 da. And now like Alex Smith is all of That's a sudden a involved. And like That's I said, like I, I've been a little bit disappointed in the defense and it's like, Okay, now it's back to Dallas being like in my. I have them as essentially a three point favorite. I'm lower. Flat. Do you have that higher? Lower, I'm, a, I'm Dallas one. And or half. you know, can, uh, you are a little bit lower. Guess. Okay. I think that probably goes off under three. Okay. Do you like Dallas at all this week? By, um, by I mean yes, Minnesota's Minnesota? as eight, in, I mean they, they, they were at, at nine and a half. They were super inflated. The fact that this has come into seven and a half doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, honestly, um, I think uh, yeah. if anyone is reacting okay. to the news that Andy Dalton is coming back and they're upgrading Dallas on that, I don't get it personally. And on, and re- realistically, like like Dallas <laughs> right. internally, like they're dealing with some major <laughs> COVID stuff with their coaching staff and their preparation could be completely disrupted, even though they're coming off the bye in this one. So um, I'm de- steering well clear of that game. But if you force me to make a play, I'm probably laying the points with Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's. They're a nine-win team that started out what one in five. Uh, so yeah, they, you know, they're but they're playing a heck of a, heck of a lot yeah. better football right now. And I think, um, you know, I, I thought they were. I thought last week was a great buy low on Chicago's, but more even more so a sell high on Minnesota. Um, and that was not to yep. be so. Yeah, I mean, the other option is don't take Pittsburgh this weekend. Use them against the Ravens, which isn't exactly yeah. the party <laughs> yeah, anybody that's... was looking to go to. Um, and then who do we take? Who do we take this weekend? And the choices are the Vikings 
may, you know, maybe like you know, you, like you said, you like them, and then the other one's the Chargers, and yeah. like, God help us yeah. all. Yeah, you know. So when you're throwing together th- sort of the virtual parlay and all of that, like Steelers minus four hundred and whatever, and the Cowboys minus one fifty, maybe is what the numbers you know, the money line would be on uh, on Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, mm. that's uh, that's that's basically all that we care about at this point. Like it's funny betting <laughs> games and just being like, you know, none of this matters <laughs> if, <laughs> if if we yeah. win or and or lose um, Survivor. Like how many people are that we're even sweating any of this, that Thanksgiving? But, on 301 mm. that are left in Circa, uh, Circa Survivor. Yeah. And so everybody has to pick one on Thanksgiving. Then everybody has to pick again on the Sunday after that. So, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a, in theory, there's going to be a divide, right? Where, you know, in, you could make a case for either team in, uh, in essentially any of those games. And in some cases, people have already used True. Yeah. Uh, the various teams. But, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, first, first year of it, and it's been really fun. I didn't even really intend to do it, but uh, um, sure. we sort of created this Friends of the Podcast entry where I kind of put out to everybody, hey, you, if you want in, you can take a, a share, uh, eight of an eight, and you come on every Sunday and give your pick. For, and so, you know, there's like a, 10 of us, basically, that, uh, like, I'm obviously heavily invested, but, like, you know, the different listeners um are in it as well you so have a tough call man pittsburgh against baltimore is a pretty nice spot uh i mean all three of those games are going to be inside a field goal so it literally is going to be flipping a coin one out of six and yeah i don't know that there's the right i think of those pittsburgh would be the first pick if i was doing a, a survivor draft of those and then maybe washington second and then probably okay houston third so then Detroit, Detroit, Dallas, and Baltimore would be the so, rounding it out. Right. But with that asterisk, like, would it still be Steelers having with that someone asterisk else this week. of yeah. having two yeah. years? Yeah. Uh, the Chargers. The, and yeah, let's say the Chargers. Yeah, because Minnesota because Minnesota's right? playing Jacksonville week 13. <laughs> That's correct. That's exactly uh, what you want to do. You already used Baltimore. You got it. You got us figured out, man. No, but we're saving Baltimore because based on two things. One, yeah, their current right. status of meh right now. And uh, two, they, they have incredibly yeah. easy matchups in the last in two in yeah, the Jackson second the and third last week. <laughs> and the longer we go in this, yeah, the better off we want to sort of the easier you save Seattle? That we're going to want to have it later on so that we're not all on the ledge. So going. that's a good one for week Save Seattle. The yep. Jets. No, we, that's yeah. the thing. If we get through <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yep. If we get through Thanksgiving, we are in a what's really the other good spot. what's the we other play then Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving on Sunday? First. Green Bay over Chicago? Yep. Yeah, we've saved so we made it through Green we had New Orleans last week uh, against San Francisco, so we were able to save Green Bay while yeah. others were taking Green Bay because it was against Jacksonville, right? So they yes, sort of they backed did. themselves into a metaphorical corner for that Sunday and Thanksgiving. And if you look, you'll see that it's pretty rough that day. Uh, as almost just as rough as the Thanksgiving days. Uh, I think Minnesota plays yeah. Carolina. I think that's kind of an option for people, but then they don't get Minnesota the next week. That's true. Um, yeah. Against, you as you Minnesota. said, Jacksonville. So yeah, it, that's why when I when I cir- when I circle Washington Dallas to ask you about it, it's like, yeah. hmm. kind of the only hmm. one I need an answer for, Drew. I guess. So. I mean, I, you know, honestly, uh, the <laughs> anyway. I'll I'll think about it some more, and I'll give you a, a more sophisticated handicap once we uh, once we see how the injuries play out this week. But that that is that is uh, that is for sure your oh, deciding game. That'd be outstanding. Yeah, man. Like I said, if you've got uh, if you've got any other ideas, let me know. 
otherwise, that's all I've got for you, man. So let's replug uh, the Deep Dive podcast anywhere yes. podcasts are found, presumably. Uh, vsin.com, you're a regular with Gail Alexander. You were on today. Uh, and of course, at whale underscore capper on Twitter Absolutely. for all the content linkage, right? Uh, so thanks for oh, joining. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, hopefully this was, uh, wasn't too painful on you. Kind of lay out, lay out my thoughts on all these topics and tell a little bit of historical context. So I'm excited to repost this one. I can't wait to see it go up. How good was that? Thanks to Drew for opening up the book, sharing his processes, and you can tell when people have the combination of loving talking about sports betting and having a plan for how they do it. Audio got a little squirrely at the end there, but you could tell he really got into our plight about the Circa Survivor entry, which is the same situation for everyone in that contest. Anyway, with apologies to all our other guests, probably the smartest guy we've ever had on, which is probably why he's in high demand. Again, follow him for the halftime periscopes alone during primetime NFL games at whale underscore capper. Back tomorrow to break down the Thursday night game and get into the always disintegrating college football board for the weekend. Until then, I'll see you at the window.